Body Conversations, Joan Breibart, Episode 12, Season 3. Eric Adams ran for mayor of New York City. Of course, he wrote a book to tell voters about his political positions. His book, Healthy at Last, is politics at a whole different level. It turns out to be an illustration of our collective self-delusion. The story is very revealing. It is also emblematic of why the public, the media, and our government are unaware of a health crisis that will make COVID look like kindergarten. COVID will be our warm-up for permanent disability from diabetes. There are no vaccines for diabetes. So let's start with Eric's story. He woke up one day and found himself unable to see. He managed to stumble to his doctor, who informed him of the obvious. He's diabetic. Eric could not believe this could happen to his healthy self until the doctor showed him his A1C, a test that measures excessive sugar in the bloodstream. His A1C was 17. Wow, 6.5 and above is a big problem. Eric was shocked because he thought he was just a little bit overweight. So what did Eric do? He became vegan and declared that this is the only way to eat. Sure, this move earned him some political brownie points. Woke liberal voters in New York think veganism can fix everything from global warming to obesity. Here's the truth. Veganism won't fix anything. But the wellness world loves its idea. So anyone who promotes veganism automatically becomes the good guy in their book. This convoluted belief about the purity of veganism is just at the tip of the phony food pyramid. There are other misguided ideas too. One of which is that liberals think all poor people are food insecure and live in food deserts. That's wrong. The facts. The CDC says that only 2% of the U.S. population of 330 million, 258 million adults, is underweight. Who are these 5 million skinny people? Maybe dancers, models, and actors? Are they unable to afford food? No. They choose to be skinny so they can look good on camera. The notion that many people live in food deserts is another fabricated issue. The problem is the majority of the U.S. population has already been fed, overfed. Sure, almost everyone in America is hungry, but this is the result of unbalanced gut hormones that make us want to eat all the time, as Eric's cup story reveals. The science is simple. We eat a large quantity and stretch our stomachs, which messes up our ability to perceive hunger and fullness. We're told to eat more healthy, so we tried it, then we binged. To end this head hunger, we need to reduce the quantity we eat. Forget calories, hormones rule. 
Weight loss happens naturally when hunger is tamed and no one feels guilty eating exactly what tastes good in their own mouth. If you eat a fresh organic kale salad and don't like the taste, chances are you'll binge on pizza if that's what you like. Statistically, Eric Adams, like most African-Americans, is obese and predisposed to diabetes. The African-American population, now just 14% of the U.S. total, will decline in the coming years as a result of diabetes-related illness. Yes, adjusting to short-term hunger may be difficult, but not as bad as blindness or amputation or death. I read Eric's book because I'm in the body business. I'm not against him politically, but his book is a good illustration of our collective delusion. For example, Eric, like most Americans, has no body awareness. He's five foot eight, shorter than the average American male at five nine. But he thought his 210 pound body was just a little overweight and was shocked at his diabetes diagnosis. Eric at 210 has a 31.5 BMI, putting him squarely in the obese territory. He's obese even with our flawed formula that has been manipulated by the CDC, so we have a big cushion. Why did our CDC cook the BMI books? Obviously, so Americans could keep shopping and eating nonstop. But our health officials know about the Hamwe formula, which isn't as forgiving. A five-foot man should weigh 106 pounds. Then you add six pounds for every additional inch. Add 30 pounds to the ideal weight, and that's where you become obese. Simple. Eric Adams should weigh 154 pounds, and he'd be obese at 184 pounds. This Hamway formula doesn't give us room to stretch our stomach and eat an entire pizza. No wonder the CDC got rid of that trusted formula. We want Americans to feel good about themselves and not feel that they are a failure. Even so, why was Eric shocked when he learned of his diabetes? Everyone in his family has diabetes. It's so common that they call it sugar. Sugar. Everyone has sugar. In fact, he tells a story about how his mother realized that she left her diabetes medication at home during a family gathering. She knew it wasn't a problem, though, because all she needed to do was shout, Does anyone have any diabetes meds? And immediately, many hands shot up. For the Adams family, sugar is just your common everyday cold. And if you don't see what's wrong with this picture, we have a problem, America. Eric also told his readers about his life when he was a cop. At one point, he had the midnight to 8 a.m. shift. At midnight, he would drive to see Ronald, as in McDonald's, and have a supersized cheeseburger and fries with all the trimmings. Then, at 2 a.m., 
He was hungry again. He'd go dine with the Colonel at KFC. Don't say fried, because Kentucky Fried Chicken, fried is a bad word. Two hours later, at 4 a.m., he moved on to Pizza Hut. And at the end of the shift, he'd stop by Wendy's, since it had been hours since he had a burger. I'm not about defunding the police, but I'm concerned that our tax dollars are paying for eating rather than policing. So here we have Eric Adams, a clueless, gluttonous man without a palate, set to be the next mayor of the most sophisticated city in America, one with fabulous restaurants and incredible cuisine. I live in Chelsea, and every day I can choose from West African, French, Italian, Japanese, Chinese, Thai, Mexican, and Greek cuisines, and more. But how long will that last if Eric becomes mayor? We should celebrate our diverse cuisines. But Eric says that the foods served in New York restaurants are going to kill us. He has a list of foods that we should never eat, including meat, fish, eggs, dairy, and any cooking oils. He crucifies macaroni and cheese because he ate mac and cheese and got diabetes, but not because he eats every two hours. It's the tasty dishes that will give you sugar, his family's cute term for diabetes. But there's nothing cute about diabetes. This is what's going on in New York. But what about the entire nation? Let's look at what the CDC and the National Institute of Health are doing about obesity. In 2019, they said 42% of Americans were obese. But the official statistics show that the number of people who have diabetes or are pre-diabetic is at least 50%. Clearly, the CDC did not think that anyone would compare these numbers. Let's go back to the flawed BMI model and compare it with Hamway. For women, five feet tall starts at 100 pounds and add five pounds for each additional inch in height. So a five foot six inch woman should be 130 pounds and she's obese if she's over 160 pounds. But with the BMI model, she isn't obese until she hits 186 pounds. No wonder people like Eric think they're healthy until they go blind. The big bad news will come in 2022 when the CDC tallies up the numbers, which will include the COVID-15. When these numbers are published, will we continue the delusion about our size? Yes, says the World Health Organization, unless we give up the BMI and focus on the waistline. Obesity is 35 inches for women and 40 for men. But why do men get more room? They don't get pregnant. Sadly, COVID closing restaurants, having no office birthday parties and canceling weddings didn't make us eat less and lose the 8 billion extra pounds we're collectively lugging around. Eight billion pounds. We'd have to stop eating for months to lose that. But of course, that'd be a disaster for the economy. 
While we tried to get on board with the eat healthy and exercise more schemes, we were making ourselves hungrier. We are allowed to eat all the kale we want and stretch our stomachs. As a result, the hormones that control hunger and satiety, cortisol, insulin, leptin, and ghrelin, go haywire. So most Americans are always hungry, even though they have stored a ton of calories in their bodies. The food companies, of course, are part of the problem. They have spent all these years stretching out our stomachs so we'll buy more food. I reckon they'd give away foods for free just so we don't start eating less and shrink our stomachs. What happened if we stopped voluntarily stretching our stomachs? What would happen if our stomachs returned to their normal sensitivity because we eat less, enjoy our meals, and get over our dysfunctional relationship with food, which is planted in our heads by the wellness elite? Eric Adams left New York City and went to the Cleveland Clinic to fix his diabetes. They taught him to become a person without taste buds, a vegan. He came back to New York and tossed out garbage bags filled with frozen pizza and other bad foods. Meanwhile, one billion people are starving in Africa and Asia. But has it ever occurred to Eric that he doesn't have to eat the entire frozen pizza in one go? Maybe once a week he could have a slice with a salad and a beverage, then finish with a few bites of dessert, just like dining used to be. This guy, Eric, will become the mayor of a city with fabulous restaurants whose cuisines encourage us to experiment, expand our perspective, and experience wonderful tastes to feed the soul. And now we will have a mayor who says Peter Luger's steak restaurant will kill you. Peter Luger, the legendary Brooklyn establishment in the borough where Adams is the president. But that's not all. Being New York City's mayor is a tough job. Long hours, tons of work. And being a vegan is almost a full-time job itself. And then, since everybody in his family has sugar, they need support and help. Is it even realistic to think that Eric Adams can handle being the mayor of New York City? The supersizing of America, of course, isn't about one person, especially a celebrity. It's about all of us. We bartered the American body to make trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars for the wellness world. Today, 60% of our population is obese and another 15% only overweight. We got people to buy and drink oodles of water, our most precious resource, to hydrate after calorie-torching exercise. Then we needed to refuel, so eat, eat, and eat. Eventually, you get fat and have to buy a diet, which makes you throw out all the bad foods because you're only allowed to eat the new diet's good food, so you have to buy more, more, more. We started this hamster wheel in 1963 with Weight Watchers. We have come full circle with Oprah, whose daytime TV show featured so many diets and exercise regimens, which made us size up. Why didn't anyone say 
that we should not go from one diet to another because it'll wreck our bodies. Why? Because there's no money to be made if we get off the wellness hamster wheel. So here's a novel idea. If the food business wants to make real money, how about raising prices and reducing portions? Maybe that'll be good for everybody.